Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. So I'm delighted to have Miranda Coe with me today for Bluebells Forever podcast. And I Hi, think, Sherry. Hello. Hi. And I think I had reached out a while ago. And what I've learned is I need to follow up because sometimes people's things get lost in their Facebook messages. But you were one I really wanted to interview because your name showed up in the um, Bluebells, the George Perry book. And then I talked to, um, oh my gosh, Doug yeah. Woods, who, Doug Woods, and, he, and yeah. he mentioned you. And I'm like, oh, I really want to get a hold of her because you've got your own wonderful story, but also you've got these little parts of history you know, that keep us like sure. connected, like what, what actually happened back then? Because we all have our stories are all individual. And now collectively right. we're learning so many of us as well. So there's so many stories. We all did yeah. the same shows, but all our lives are completely different. And yeah. yeah. And if you did it in the seventies, it's different than if you did it in the nineties or this, this new cast that just reopened at the Lido, yeah. their stories are different, but it's all the same. And I know you were at the reunion because I see you in pictures with people that I yeah, knew. That's right. And same I with see, you. I've seen yeah. you in the photos and thought, actually, I did see her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I do so remember spotting you, but I didn't know who you were. I, when we do the reunion again, if Lindsay, did, however soon we get to do that. I think now that after the reunion, like people that knew each other reconnected and then those of us who kind of met new people and then from the podcast, it will be just really fun to go to the reunion and have like, oh, I've talked to you on Zoom. So I think that um, we're going to yeah, need like yeah. at least a, a two week reunion because it was so <laughs> fast and it was hard to connect, like to even find people that you knew. And then it was over. Really hard. Yeah, really hard. Which you kind of have to do that. She couldn't do probably two weeks and any of us could afford it or be away that long. But maybe when we're all old and retired, we do a month long reunion, like somewhere by the beach. (laughs) In our own time. So I would love to hear a little bit like where you grew up and how you started dancing, why you started dancing. Um, I started dancing when, um, as a kid, when I was about seven um, we were living in Stratford-upon-Avon and there was a really good dance teacher there. Um, so I used to go along on Saturday mornings um, and do the classes. And her name, the teacher's name was Betty Lane. And Betty Lane went on to have one of the hugest stage schools in the UK. So she's really a recognised teacher. And I think I must have been about her first pupil. Oh, wow. I really do because she hadn't been teaching that long when I joined her. So, um, yeah, she was great. She, get, she got me the audition to go to the Royal Ballet School. I got in. I stayed there two years. Um, wow. Yeah. They were very concerned at my height, and not even the height, the fact that my legs were really long and my body was really quite short, <laughs> and they were wondering exactly how much taller I was going to get. And they took me to um, one of the big teaching hospitals in London, St. George's, and did a hand x-ray of um, the growth plates. And they could determine how tall I was gonna be from my growth plates. So who knows, Um, but I think it was pretty spot on because I was just under five, nine. Wow. (laughs) 
Were you yeah. shooting up past your other? Um, yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. Because some of us got our growth spurt later. So I think some people kind of went forward, like I'm going to be a ballerina. Yeah. And then when they're invested in it for years, then they got too tall. Yeah. That's, and they, they chose you know, to do mine that. mine was really early because my daughter's was late. She's now like 5'10 or 5'10 and a half. But she, I'm sure she was, you know, it was only over the last couple of years. And she's 20 now. Yeah. But, my, but <sighs> she didn't appear that tall when she was young. Nor my son, and he's like six three or four. He was quite short for a long time. <laughs> my brother's six three, and he was under six. He didn't grow till he was nineteen, which is really unusual. But when you're a dancer and you're investing in your whole heart and and money into being, you know, this That's is what I'm trained for, and then to get too tall, so you knew. Did they actually have you go in there just to see if they wanted to keep training you? Because if you're going to be too tall, they didn't want to. Yeah, the time. that was it. That was it. They kind of weed people out each year. And I think I think from the little group I started with when I was 10, by the time it had got to the end of the schooling years, there was only one girl left. Yeah. Wow. So they just, just re-audition all the time and bring in more and weed yeah. out others. But I was kind of fine with it. I was really happy to go back home to my family. I, it, really, it wasn't a big deal. Oh. And I carried on my dance classes and then auditioned and got into Ballet Rombert School in London. So I did my three years there. And um, yeah, I, was, I, I, I didn't want to be a ballet dancer at all. I loved going to clubs and bars and, and watching bands and being <laughs> kind of rock and roll. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Anyway, um, I auditioned for um, a little dance company because I wanted to get my equity card so I could perform in the UK on the stage. And the union said you needed an equity card. To get the equity card, you had to work 40, year, 40 years, 40 <laughs> weeks, <laughs> 40 weeks. Um, and so you had to go over to Europe to join little shows and get your contracts and get your 40 weeks. So I joined this little dance troupe and I'll say now it was pretty crappy, but at the time I reckon I was pretty crappy too, you know, the <laughs> first time doing a show. So it was a good learning curve. And we did the little, uh, you know, venues in the South of France and Portugal, went over to Geneva, to Maxim's, I think it was called. And we went on to Greece. And there were other places I can't think of. Um, and then um, he didn't have anywhere for else for us to go to immediately. So he sent us back to the UK. But I had heard he was sending us to Baghdad. Oh. <laughs> so I think back in the 70s, those places, you know, I wouldn't have wanted to go there, but they weren't like they are now. Right. Um, yeah, wow. because there were shows in Tehran, Baghdad. Cairo there was a whole Middle Eastern thing that I heard Be Beirut was a place that was beautiful Beirut, yeah. and now all we all I know of that is war-torn Beirut but the people that were there right when Miss when I think it was Bluebell was taking shows there which like Beirut but that's because we only know it from these past uh, years but the Middle so East was never be, a, a. I think Beirut was meant to have been like the Paris of the Middle East I think it was kind of right up there wow but so were you did you want to do stage work as a dancer? Or were you also acting, singing? 
to, that you wanted to get no, your, your I wasn't I wasn't was for dance I'd only trained in dance I'd never thought of acting or singing really um yeah until a bit later because there came a point when you were auditioning for things they'd ask you to sing a song as well so yeah then so the you card the union card was even for dance yeah, it was. You like, if you wanted to be, you know, in the chorus in a musical in the West End, you'd need an equity card. Okay. Everybody that stood on a West End stage needed an equity card. You I had to know. be a member of the union. Yeah. Well, and I interrupted you because you said that the option was to go to the Middle East. when they oh, yeah. were... <laughs> So anyway, I went back to the UK, nice and safe. And I said <laughs> to my mum, please, if he telephones, tell him I've taken another contract. And she gave me the whole lecture. It's unprofessional. He can sue you. And I said, I think he's taking us to Baghdad. And she <laughs> went, oh, that's fine, darling. Yeah. <laughs> and who, which mother wants her daughter? Like, yeah, you're going to go to the Middle yeah, East. No this way, young... no way. Um, so, um, yeah. So I was back in London and I went over to the dance centre, which was the studios in Covent Garden, like a big warehouse building with lots of different classes going on and great because they've got big glass windows so you could look in and you could watch, you know, you'd see, you know, members of the Royal Ballet and ballet class or something, you know, it was jaw dropping. Um, anyway, so I had done my class and I was sitting there having a cup of tea and this man walked past me and said, oh, you've missed the audition. You'll have to come back tomorrow. So I said, oh, tell me what I've missed. And he said, the Bluebell Girls. And I thought, oh, that's fantastic. Because on my crappy little show, I seen the Bluebell Girls at the Casino Estoril. And it was oh. different class, you know. I thought, oh, this is fantastic. So I was very excited and um, turned up the next day and, you know, probably leotard and pink ties or something. Yep. <laughs> you know, still wrong. <laughs> and, did, um, the, you know, the additions were quite straightforward. It, it was pose turns from the corner. It was step, high kick, step, high kick, you know, across the room. A bit of ballet, something lyrical. And Bluebell just said to me, that's great, darling. Where would you like to go? Um, Las Vegas or Paris? You know, so this was 1970s London and uh, UK was really in a bad way economically then. Um, everybody was on strike. There were power cuts. We, our heating was turned off. We'd only have lighting at certain times in the evenings. Um, mm. It's getting a bit like that right now as well. Really? We've got, yeah, we've got food shortages. All to do with us leaving the European Union. Yeah. So we've got our shelves are pretty thin in the supermarkets. Well, they are down where I live now, maybe up in London and, you know, that's better stopped. And, and, and there's no petrol or gas. They are out of it completely. There's no lorry drivers to drive the lorry the, or tankers that deliver the goods. Oh, my because gosh. Because we left Europe, they all went back to um, Europe. And the British people don't want to do it. I've been watching and listening to this for the last few years, like when it was going to happen and not happen. And, and there was always this, it could happen, go this way or it could go this way. But it until it happened. It never have gone a good way. 
that's right. what I think it felt anyway. like it was an awful choice either way and I was like oh and the more so I do it, interviews so at the moment it's a bit reminiscent of 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 that time of the right. 70s going through that now so I said to Bluebell I'd like to go to Vegas please okay, like let's get me out of here Vegas, please yeah, I was 19 <laughs> And I had no idea about Vegas. We'd got the TV series Vegas with the girls actually that were from the Stardust in the lovely feathers. There was a high kicking line of just, you know, a little shot of them. I actually found on YouTube, there are some clips from that show, which is probably somewhere you could watch the whole show because I had the same thing. Vegas was Dan Tana with his lion in the convertible. And then they was always the showgirls maybe a couple kicks. They're usually running because there was some That's crime right. thing. That happening. was Ali Lito. That, that, those, that clip came from Ali Lito. Really? Uh, oh my gosh. Stardust. Yeah, definitely. Well, now that I've known more stories about Frank Rosenthal and all that, I think it'd be really interesting to watch that show again. Because for some of us, like, oh, that's what Vegas is. It's really pretty lights. A lot of yeah, mafia. When we were there, we'd often get to be kind of extras on Vegas as well. If That's there was like, yeah. girls needed in the showgirl costume or a bikini or something, we'd, we'd get to do that as well. Yeah. Well, you, we'll, we'll get to that too, what it was like, because you were there. Yeah. At so the where kind of are the we? We're in London and I'm going to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I remember going into a travel agent because I just wanted to see pictures of what it looked like, you know, and I was scouring through all the American um, travel brochures so I could see pictures of Vegas. Um, yeah. So, Blue Bell had hired me and three other girls, beautiful girls, beautiful dancers. And we arrived at the Stardust and we were in rehearsal for maybe half a morning when Frank Rosenthal walked in with the other mob boys. And um, I think he said to Rocky or to Pat Merle, um, we'll keep Miranda, you know. So I carried on with my rehearsals. And um, by the time I got back to the hotel room, the other three had just disappeared. Now I'm in floods of tears, you oh. know, cause I don't want to be here on my own. I want to be with the, you know, the people I arrived with and that I yeah. knew. Um, so I was so slow learning that show. I, I just had meltdown after meltdown. I felt out of my depth and my friends had gone and I was working here and this Frank Rosenthal character was looming over all the time. Um, and he actually got quite funny with me because I'd run out of money. I'd only appeared in Vegas anyway with $11 in my pocket. So I know. Uh, I did something similar because then you realize they don't pay you for they like don't pay two, you. two weeks or something no. after. So in the end, he is being very nice to me. And he's saying, Miranda, could you please just learn one number? Because as soon as you in one number, we can pay you, you know. So um, I did pull it together. I called Bluebell up and she said to me, look, just please, whatever's happened. She was obviously aware that the other girls were out fluffered looked after them because Bluebell was worried he was going to kick the other three out of the country. Um, so Fluff kind of hid them somewhere for a while from him. Were they and in the show or they... Gillian and Adrian hired them. They went up to... So Angela. Oh! Balderstone? Who is oh now Angela Bolton. Was she there when you were there? I worked with her there and then she came to Puerto Rico in a show I was doing. So she ah. was part of that. Oh, cause she she's amazing on stage. She's 
gorgeous oh and they God. didn't like her Dynamite. yeah wow yeah. so that was Angela and I are still really good friends we feel like we were separated at birth because we'd become these great friends and suddenly um she was sent up to Reno and I was down in Vegas yeah. I just want to acknowledge how freaky and scary that would be at 19 to go to another country have mob and have you start out and have people like, and, the, and there's this really interesting chain between Bluebell, Fluff and Jillian, who are all these wonderful yes. women who took care of their dancers in the midst yes. of this craziness. Cause if people are gone, you're like, you know, all, if you start hearing rumors about the mafia too, like where did they go? It's just a really weird start to uh, welcome to your days as a professional dancer in America. Yes, but it, it, but it, it toughened me up. Because oh. Bluebell had a serious chat on the phone to me because I was calling her in tears saying, please let me go to Reno. Please let me go somewhere else. Let me go to the Paris, you know, just get me out of here. And um, no, she was having none of it. She said, you, you do. I think she said to me, do six weeks. And if you hate it after six weeks and then I, I will move you. And I didn't hate it after six weeks. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get kind of embraced by the cast too? Like once you're in there, Absolutely. did you Absolutely. Say- I've got some fabulous friends from those days. Yeah. I'm trying to think who you've interviewed. So on my row at the time, there was um, Elisa Scaroni, who went on to be the principal for the Lido in Paris. Um, there was a girl from Australia called April Colombo, who was the funniest person on earth. And made me howl with laughter all the time. And there was another very funny girl called Deb Richardson, who's not alive anymore. And Wait, does she? Okay, she's about our age. I think, did she go? I worked with the Debbie Richardson in Puerto Rico. Well, how funny was Debbie Richardson? Did you That's, remember? She, I, she, she was one of the funniest people I've ever met. Is she, exactly. she passed? Oh, she's she not with away. Oh my, a I've been trying to find her. Ago, Sherry, a couple of years ago. Oh, I've been trying, I found her for a brief time and then I lost her again because social media and I, and then I reached out and I didn't hear back from her. She, oh, yeah. oh that makes breaks. Hard. She backstage, she made backstage the most fun. Didn't she? Oh, I literally, I, I, I'd be crying doubled up with laughter and, and you'd have to go out on stage and stand up straight you know, <laughs> it was that funny. And so was April, the two of them. I had one one side and the other the other side. So I had the best time. I loved that show. That's yeah. the part, like a lot of us have wonderful memories on stage, but the backstage, because that's where you spend more time than you do on stage sometimes. You do. You do. And the, the people that like, yeah, the laughing or the getting to know people better makes this whole thing just so much more magical. So yeah. you went in one number and then how much, how spread oh, out was it? Those, I, I went in one number at a time. They took it easy. Which is so good <laughs> because I, it's amazing how, how fast they throw you in. Cause I, I went in as a replacement as well. And I think, I don't know how many days I went into probably the hardest number in the show. And it also was, it's stairs, a giant headpiece Listen, and navigating that. And that's not just, but, but, but you learn from that. And from learn. that horrible experience, um, which ended up one of the most fabulous experiences of my life. I knew that this could possibly happen to me at any time learning a show. So I was never without my notebook and my pen. So I would write everything down, enter stage right, right foot first. Do you know what I mean? Just in case. So at the end of the day, I could go home and go, yeah, no, that's fine. I know it. And so, yeah. I saw that show. I 
moved down there in 1979 because of the show Vegas. And my ballet teacher said, you're tall. You should go down there. And I saw Ale Lido and I was so blown away. And I can't really remember much about it. I just remember it was wonderful. There's not a theme really to any of these shows, right? It's just like- There's this not. The two, we had the beautiful opening number, the way you wear your hat, do, 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 do. you know, with the, um, the show, got the, the nudes in the big, uh, the, you know, white fur. Yeah, it was fabulous. Yeah. <sighs> it went on for the whole, it, it got all into that electronic thing with that clip from the Vegas title. Yeah. The, look, that was, was in the opening as well. Um, then the, our next number was the Italian one, Casanova scenes, and we did a Tarantella and Ooh. yeah. Then I guess it was the next number we did the African. That's a picture the picture that Doug, Doug posted a picture yeah. of him. Yeah. yeah. That, uh, yeah, I, I would love to see. I'm going to find video because I've been actually you can find a lot on YouTube. So I've been watching them, not just little clips, but trying to find the whole show because. What, I think, it, yeah, I think Jeffrey Adair, um, he was a great dancer, was in the show as well. I seem to think that he's um, put up a few little clips of films. That's the wonderful thing of finding each other in social media that we that people have photos that we've never seen or video or at least links to video. Because without Facebook, I had no idea like what was out there. And now like I have people are writing books. So I'm getting, I'm buying their books. I'm finding there's just so much more resources as we are understanding now how important it is to archive this and to tell the story. And it just jogs a memory. And I, I'm six, I just turned 62 yesterday. But seeing the Happy things birthday. that say, thank you. <laughs> but I forget that I'm my age because when I start remembering all this, I feel like I'm 20 again. And at the reunion to, I did the, the class that they set up for us on the Lido stage. Did you do I, that? I did. And I was yeah, I've seen the videos of it. And I felt 59, but by the end of it, I thought I was 20 because being on the stage with the way the lights were, your body goes back to what it felt like and go yeah. minus some hips that are a little creaky. I remember this now because before it's just like this faint memory, you know, or did I glamorize that? Like, no, it actually felt this magical no, to be on the stage. I remember it all almost in Technicolor. And I remember mm. reading once that your memories, uh, when you look back at life, the ones I think it was between the ages of 18 and 24 are the most vivid. They're the ones that you remember in the most detail. I might really? have got years slightly wrong, but it's, there is something like that. Because when I look back at those shows, they are in Technicolor, and everybody is in Technicolor with their orange pancake. Maron, that's what's so funny. Pancake, Maron. And then somebody posted a picture of their makeup case that they found and oh, stage yeah. light. Remember stage light makeup? Stage light. Oh, they were sparkly. And when I saw that, it was iridescent, wasn't it? Yeah, iridescent. And, I, and all of a sudden, the names are coming back, like Maron. As I think I found a Maron pot of cherries in the snow color. I, we were all supposed to wear the same color in Hello Hollywood. That I kept that forever, and it smells putrid, but I could not throw it away. And I think a few years ago when I moved, I, I go, don't okay. think they ever smelt great, though. No, <laughs> they, they, they didn't smell great at the time. I don't think. I mean, they no. have. They've got a very yeah. It's nostalgic, isn't it? I kind of. Yeah. We were putting yeah. a lot of chemicals on our face that maybe now would have not been approved. But yeah, that cherries in the snow is like, 
Oh, and then putting on your thick make pancake. There was pan oh, yeah. stick I that was a little too good. In Paris, because I don't remember the nudes in Vegas and um, Reno having to wear body makeup. Did it, did people wear mm. body makeup? No, no. In Paris, they had to slap on this. You know, it came in like a li liquid. It was a bottle of kind of you know orange brown <laughs> <laughs> yeah, suntan. So yeah, they'd have to put that on every night. That explains why some of the pictures there is a, and also probably the way the lights in it, it's different. Right. Oh my gosh, you just took this whole memory lane of just like coming to your dressing room, and I remember having a towel down, and then you had your makeup kit, and you'd lay out your brushes and the conversations, and then just seeing like the the way the lights are. It's just. That feels more nostalgic and where I feel my body than that. And how we I'm, personalized our own places yes. as well with our photos of our family between the lights. And oh my yeah. gosh. Let's and it's in all the, all the decades, every show, when you when we have backstage, I always want to see what's on their mirror. And then somebody, yeah. uh, Stephanie Lawton, you know, Stephanie Lawton, she has it like, what, was it Christmas time? And, and there's all the garland hanging, like we would That's decorate. Fun. It's yeah. just like that brought back such great memories of like you personalize it and then when somebody leaves and they take their things off, it's so sad. It and then the next sad. person comes in and then they set up their little their little domain there to yeah. make it yours while you're there. Yeah. Yeah. So how did how long did you stay in that show? Um, a couple of years. Stay did you kind of years? Yeah. Did Vegas uh, kind of feel at home? Did you have like your yeah, outside I, show life? I, I really did like it. Um, but as I say, that kind of towards the end, the feeling at the Stardust wasn't great. Anyway, so what I did was um, I left the show. I'd come to the end of a contract and I drove across America with my boyfriend. But my visa had run out, but I never really cared about these legal things <laughs> I was going to, you know. <laughs> Oh, so you need to show your visas run out you have to leave the country not not if they can't find you <laughs> to work in that one venue you're not a free spirit that can go off and work anyway but they'd given me a social security number so um yeah I went over to New York and I lived in New York I stayed a year on my dodgy social security <laughs> number and no immigration <laughs> which you could do back then it wasn't right. as you know, they, it wasn't like it is now. Um, but I, I was very scared that maybe in my social security number, there was one digit or some combination that would let people know that I was an alien. Um, so I didn't ever want to stay in a job too long. Um, so anyway, I split up with my boyfriend really soon after we'd arrived there. And me and this girl, we'd got a job in a dress shop in, in Greenwich Village. So we were selling clothes and we shared a room in a, in a hotel in Greenwich Village that um, I think it was $16 a night. Wow. And so, yeah, I know. <laughs> you can picture it. <laughs> I've looked online, it's a little bijou residence now. It's a bijou hotel. Um, so I, anyway, I stayed there about a year because I kind of, I liked, you know, all the music and everything of that time. I, when I'd left London, punk was come, was there. So we were wearing kind of skinny drainpipe jeans and a bit of a torn t-shirt look. Uh -huh. When I arrived in Vegas, 
everyone looked like Farrah Fawcett majors and I looked I looked completely out of place oh my gosh you were like totally like this wild yeah they had you know those great curls going on (laughs) and still wore flares and platforms um so I felt like I'd gone back in time a little bit and then when I got back to New York went to New York yeah I, I kind of enjoyed the about going to watch bands and things like that but anyway, I did have to leave the country eventually and I got to immigration to leave and he asked where my visa was. Well, I'd torn it out of my passport by then. And so mm-hmm. um, they weren't impressed at all, but were kind of just like, oh, just get on the plane and just let me go and said nothing. If you but had done that had- show and you wanted to go to Reno, You'd have to have a different, they would get the visa set up for you. Would yeah, you have to go home to in between? Leave the country. I remember girls that would go maybe to Canada um, for a while while the visa was sorted so you could re enter and go to. Oops. Oh, that's funny. It's your um, theme music. <laughs> it's my um, ringtone. Rachel Carpenter, <laughs> who was a lead at the MGM, when I saw her last time, she put my ringtone as um, the fans' number from the Lido in Paris. Oh my gosh. And she put my um, alarm to wake me up in the morning for the curtain up music from the Lido. That's So each morning I wake up actually laughing and in almost a bit of a panic, you know. (laughs) Okay, I have to ask you, do you have show dreams, show nightmares? Oh yeah, of course. And they're always at Hallelujah Hollywood, um, Hollywood with the size of that stage and me not being ready and yes. then you're ready and the numbers started oh and then I'm at the wrong side of the stage oh no you can't cross the stage because that's going to take you two hours to get to the other side you know oh okay we have to go to hello hollywood because I want to hear about that because I was in that show but a lot of the a lot of us have those dreams but that's interesting how you said that that time of our memory just how yeah. our brain functions eight you know that 20 because that's when we were doing the show. It was like when it's Technicolor, we were actually in a Technicolor world. But I don't, I don't, I used to have the stress dreams when I was like, I'm back in high school and I can't open my locker or I can't find my class. Those all went away and were replaced by, I can't find my headdress. I don't know what side of the stage on. I'm supposed to know this number that I never learned. And so many of us have those dreams of, I'm supposed to know what I'm doing, but I don't, which makes, I think when they show up in my life is I'm making some kind of a change and I don't know what I do. And we have that imposter syndrome. Like I'm supposed to know this, but I don't, it just shows up. I mean, a lot of people, when they talk about those dreams, it is something like costume piece or they're not ready. They hear that music. So that's funny that that's your ringtone. (laughs) You can just keep reliving that. Like, I got to get ready. That's a good way to jump out of bed in the morning. And like, yeah. And when when my phone rings, I actually don't want to answer it because I want to hear more of the music. Yeah. Oh my gosh. When did you go to the Hello Hollywood Hello reunion like did, four years yeah. ago? So, yeah. oh my gosh, all our overlap. Now I'm like, let's go back and do it again. Because at the dinner, there was about five guys that stood up and sang the opening Hello Hollywood Hello acapella. And I, it was so beautiful to hear that harmony. Awesome. I want to make that my ringtone for waking up or like when somebody oh, calls me, hello. Nice. Yeah, because that's. Oh, a, I'm sure one of them recorded it. I yeah, I think it's on a video that. I think I have that video somewhere so I could make it a ringtone for all of us yeah. to like, that's what you yeah. wake up to. And then you go, crap, I'm naked. Oh, that's okay. Just put a G string on, get on. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget your necklace. 
Right. Yeah, you just have to. That used to make me laugh. You know, you (laughs) topless and oh my god, I've forgotten my necklace. Like, (laughs) oh, really? You know. Well, I feel like the way they did the dimensions in those shows, the topless, it made some sense. But I did other shows where they would have your legs were almost all covered except for your butts out there. And then you'd have all this fabric and then your boobs were out. It's like, you know what? We ran out of fabric. We just didn't have enough to cover your most important parts. Yeah. But I feel like in the showgirl thing, the way it showcases the body, but sometimes when it's topless, it's like everything is surrounded with fabric except for the things you would hide at the beach. That's so it's true. in re- that's right it's in reverse yeah 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 but I forgot my necklace oh my yeah like I forgot my little tiny earrings I feel naked yes yeah (laughs) and I remember going to Paris and my French was pretty appalling um but I'd learned things like dress up I've lost my earrings or I've got a hole in my tights (laughs) (laughs) I've been doing the um Duolingo before I went to Paris for the reunion did it help I could uh, no I could say that the cat wanted a baguette and the man and the horse yeah. and the dog went to buy a, a bagel or something that didn't help me. Yeah. But I think there needs to be like Duolingo when you're going to go do a show. Like I wear my earrings, I, I fix my tights, like the, the conversation yeah. things that you yes. need. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so funny. So how did you end up at hello, Hollywood? Hello. With, after I, New York. Okay. So I, done the dodgy visa haven't I I've got back to London. <laughs> <laughs> oh I'll, I know how I got there I, I, I called up Bluebell and I said have you got anything and she said well there's the big audition because the fire had happened in Vegas yeah and the English girls had come home and then I think they had to re-audition to go back again I think I heard that too like some people chose not to some people didn't get asked back there was kind of some interesting they, so they, they they held an audition and made everybody re-audition and I went to that audition and um I wanted to go to Vegas and there wasn't any places left but Don sent me to Reno when year did when you when did you get there? Because I started in okay, nineteen eighty so to eighty one. My contracts, um, and hang on, Paris. Oh, I actually have. Oh, yeah, September eighty one. Uh, we worked together for one month then. Okay, I left at the end of October of eighty one. And where did you sit in the dressing room? Which row? Who I was, was a tall, you? tall nude group B. I was there with Miriam, Andrea Grant. Oh yeah, um, Lisa. I think yeah. I said, yeah. So I was. I was on then, the row then, just behind you. I was with Donna. Um, oh Pamela, my God. Yes. Um, Linda Nordvik was on our row. Yeah. 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 Oh my Tracy. gosh. Yeah. Because I think they were over there. Because I was the very tail end of it was A, and then only two of us from B, and the rest of my group was around the corner with C. So I love my A group, but sometimes I would go, because that's who I oh, dance. What group sure was I in then? What was I in if I was that an would have, You would either, I think that's B or C. B and C were air hostess. I think I was B. Okay. Because did, did you know Chris Reed? Was she still there? And Marsha? Marsha was still there. I'm trying to think who the rest of our group was. Um, Diana yeah, was I, my dance captain. Diana Holcroft. I actually took her spot in the line and she became a swing. So I was on the end, which was her spot. She moved over to the singer's row, Diana Hawk, and people kept confusing us. Like 
even at the reunion, people thought it was Diana. And it, we looked a lot alike with a lot of you makeup on. Like now I'm looking at you. Yeah. You and I think as we've, we've aged probably a little bit different, but at that time, and I started to do my makeup because she had the, her makeup was, you know, when I post all my pictures of my costumes, I had just learned my makeup and it's terrible. Yeah, you know, like I wish I had taken pictures at the end, not at the beginning when I'm not beveling very well, not standing right. And the makeup <laughs> is terrible. And so I'm like, I wish I had taken, but I watched Diana because our faces were similar. There's a picture of her with a bunch of people like, um, I don't know if you worked with Miriam. And they, they've they gotten I know together. The photo, and they've all got a tooth that they've blacked out. Is that the photo? It's not that one. And there's a one okay. backstage. But there's one with Diana. And I thought it was me. Like recently I went, wait, I was at that party. And then I'm like, oh, that's not me. So I even fooled myself that I look like Diana. She was hysterical. She was so fun. And that made that rehearsal period when you're learning a show to get thrown into it. Yeah. A good, a good dance captain, which I always heard really wonderful things about all the different line captains. She, I mean, I'm sure there's some she was that a weren't really ready. good teachers because she taught me the show. Yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. So you came in to replace because how many people came with you? I don't know. Because I came in from a huge audition in Vegas and I don't, I think it was just for Hello Hollywood or maybe they were also looking at Jubilee because Jubilee was I came in right before the fire. The fire happened when I was in the show. And then I know there was some reshifting and some people came up from, from Jubilee for that one. But there was only, I think five or six of us that came in from that huge audition came to Reno. And then he would, I just, cause people talk about the, the new, when you put somebody in like the late night rehearsal, I don't remember those. Like you do the show every night, but there's a lot of times that you have a late rehearsal to put people into the show. I don't really have any. Memory, I remember but- them. I remember them in Vegas. I don't remember them so much in Reno. Maybe they just threw us in because I don't know if we had a put in rehearsal because oh, everybody I don't know. talks there's about clean up rehearsals in as well after the show in Vegas. Yeah. Did we do that in Reno? Because like, why don't I remember? I don't remember re-auditioning because I was there for a full con- a full year contract. Then I went to Puerto Rico. But there's things I'm like, was I asleep or did I just not do those things I don't know like the put in rehearsal doing them there. <laughs> I love doing that show it what was, was your all, first number with the twi- Vegas it was so laid back and so really so, yeah yeah the I show itself or the- were really lovely dance captains yeah you know they they seem to care about your welfare as well as you know yeah yeah, it, it just wasn't, didn't seem as cutthroat as Vegas. Everybody talks about Reno as a family. And I went down and did the Showgirl road trip and I met up with Jillian, Linda Nordvik, uh, Diana Hoff and Greg Hoff and oh, yeah. uh, the Erdleys. And we had, they had me over for dinner and I, we, were, we didn't hang out back then, but they were just like, come over and have dinner. And it was, they're friends with each other. They know each other's kids. And then uh, Donna Howe and Loretta, with the dressers had me over but they all talk about how they're all still um, together and their, their kids know each other and they did birthday parties. There's, and they always talk about Reno and Deborah DeCoudre, who was like oh, huge yeah. in Paris talks about Reno of just being this time of family. But, but like when I hear about Vegas, like going out, you know, through the casino, we just went out the back door, scrub our face in our jeans. Basically you could have left in your pajamas and no one would know we were dancers and you'd go home. Yeah. I lived out in Lemon Valley and it was like, I'd watch a movie, eat popcorn and go to bed. So people think, the showgirl life is so wild in Reno. It, it, like, it, no, especially no. Reno, because you had to clock in. Yeah. And, and to me, you know, that wasn't kind of... 
I've never had, well, I, I worked when I was a kid in a factory in Sheffield. I had to, in my holiday job, I had to drill holes in handles of knives for the, um, hand, for the you know, for the little screws to go through. Um, and we had to clock in and out there. And then to clock in for a show, I thought that was really bizarre. Isn't that weird? Isn't, I think yeah. our names were, now I can remember, there are names, you'd find your card, you punch it in, like a punch clock. I wonder if any show other, other shows did that. Know. That'd be interesting. I mean, yeah. I, I, no other show that I've done anyway. Wow. They just know, are you here or are you not here? <laughs> so how, what, what was your first number you went into? Oh, uh, uh, probably. I honestly don't remember on that one. What would be the first? I think probably up on the wing of the plane. Oh, that was. From beginning to end. And heat wave. Yeah. Because those two, yeah, because all those, well, Staircase was scary for your first one, getting down those stairs without, not, and it's so beautiful to watch the show, but remember, like, when you're in it, you just have to learn things so fast. So I remember my mom, my mom was upset at first I was topless, then she saw the show and liked it, but I called her after I went in the show, and she said, how was it being topless? And I didn't, I go, I don't remember, I was just trying to not get in anybody's way, remember the choreography, get my yes. costumes on and off. Yes. And it wasn't, I think, until a week later that I was on stage, like, I'm topless. <laughs> but there's so many things besides just the dance. And especially in that show with an air, you know, being on an airplane that's moving on hydraulics. <laughs> and this, and actually, Heatwave was, uh, there was quite a bit of dancing on the sta- stairs, not just when you got to the floor. I can't remember being on the stairs. I can only remember coming in from the wings. Yeah, I think maybe group B, some of them were on the stairs doing more choreography. I remember coming from the wings and I go, maybe I was on the stairs. But yeah, there's and then like doing uh, the living curtain of loading up at the top and coming down on that on that shaky thing. But at 20, like, fine, this is all fine. (laughs) It's all fun. The finale where you, you know, we're in the huge, great big pink headdress is huge. And, And and I had to walk up that staircase at the side to get along, to get onto the passerella over Yes, the I was that one was of the- a okay. very narrow staircase and very high up with such a wide hat. Yeah, you turn sideways. I don't wonder these days if health and safety would let you Oh my gosh, no. Head. No. No, it's, uh, it's, I actually got to go on the stage, which I'm careful how much I say, but it was in the go do a little walk around and like, oh my gosh, this is so high up. And we were in three inch heels with, there's no rails on some of those things. And I think when you're, there was no safety thing that we, nobody was really, we just assumed. And you would step onto that passerelle that wiggled. It wiggled. And those costumes, which, do you know what costume you wore for the passerelle? Pink. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't even got a photo of it. So it was very tall and wide. It was a, a semicircle. Um, from the top coming out very very wide tangerine orangey pinky and <laughs> two feather boas coming down from the oh other yes of the okay hand. I can yeah. I can see that I have some pictures that I don't know if you're you might not be in them but I have some pictures of that oh, that yeah. exquisite and what was nice of being up there is you got to see the stage too so you're up there in all your glory but you also can look back and see yeah. all the beauty because that's the only time except for before you go on the show that you actually get to see the show that's right. And there were so many people in that show as well. Because I also remember dancing and being on stage doing a number that I'd done for six months. And suddenly you'd catch sight of somebody and think, I've never seen you before. Yeah. You know, because there were that many people. 
Yeah. They go, yeah, it's so-and-so. She's in the Bluebell, lo- lo- not lodge, um, dressing room around there. You think That's what some people have said that. that. we were. How would you not know someone on the show? Because we were, it was the size of a football field and you never see people on the <laughs> other, other side. And at the reunion, like, we work together. Oh, I didn't know that. Because even like to go three dressing rooms over sometimes, like I feel like birthday parties and we would do more things together. We kind of hang out with your row, maybe the row over. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so to to there's bluebells, I never, you know, the other dressing room felt like it was like a city away. Like I walk oh, over the other girl that I was great friends with there was Julie Sutherland, an Australian girl. Do you remember Julie? I don't think so. Oh, but she told me exactly she would have been there at the same time as. Yeah, she and it was like there when I arrived. Her name, I've either seen her on the groups. Did you have anybody that you knew in Hello Hollywood? Hello from from um, the Stardust? Yeah, there must have been. Oh, Michael Coulson was there. I think Kim Lonsdale was there for a while. Um, Kate Fandley, I met there. Um, I hadn't worked with her before. There were a few others. Oh, Neil McGee, Doris. Do you remember Doris? That was the name that was given to Neil. Yeah. Like they all had they all had their names like, oh my gosh, I'm thinking Tim Mackey. They all had their their names they that did, Adrian gave. Davina and oh. Davina, yeah. Yeah. Ada. <laughs> what was your life like in Reno? Because you lived the Vegas life. What was I Reno life it. like? I liked it. It was like a bit of a holiday anyway, wasn't it? I mean, you got we kind of get in the wake up early and yeah, it's sunny. Let's go up to Lake Tahoe you know, because it's sunny every day. So we're just spending the day up on the lake and then driving back down the mountain to do the show at night. Yeah. I liked oh. it a lot. And and I came from Seattle, kind of like England, a lot of rain. It's also very green. So at first the desert was like, it's so depressing. It's so brown. And then I discovered Tahoe. Oh, yeah. And then I was like, okay, this is where I get my trees and my water. Yeah. But I remember, and I think I might have mentioned this before, of getting sunburned because you had to be careful what parts of your body oh, were showing. Well, yeah, and then you go to Tahoe with a sunburn and then you have to put your fishnets on. It's the most painful thing to put fishnets on a sunburn. And I was such a sun worshiper and my skin is dark. My mom was half Indian, so I'm quarter Indian. Oh, and the sunshine comes out and we just, you know, I go very, very dark. And Bluebell, when I was in Paris, banned me from going in the sunshine. She said, really? you can't, you're not allowed to sunbathe anymore. Wow. Yeah. Because yeah. <sighs> I just looked completely different to everybody <laughs> else on the stage. <laughs> well, and that's why I think with Cabaret now, there's more diversity in the skin tones, yeah. too. Or back then, it really was like that. That yeah. Those of us who had lived in the rain most of our life with white skin. Yeah. That's like the body makeup. Because I know like some people would put it on their breast and it, it just made a weird look Yeah, to have like, but that's, that's yeah, another but story. When I, did, I worked, I did a show in London that was at the Piccadilly Theatre and it had come from the Paris de Latin in Paris. Um, so it's very French cabaret loved this show um yeah full-on body makeup and body glitter so we oh had my a gosh. sponge in the dressing room and you just put this wet sponge into the glitter and all of the <laughs> yeah and between numbers we'd have the glitter sponge fight and you oh. would and somebody to call your name and you turn around and you get the glitter <laughs> sponge in your face you'd have oh to go on God. with the shiny face as well which really wasn't <laughs> <laughs> these are the things these are the memories that come back of like 
uh, if the audience has no idea, they could see the show behind the wings. It's yeah. so, Cause I remember like, it was kind of structured. Like you just get this makeup kit or I don't think I knew none of us knew how to buy makeup or put yeah. it on usually. So you'd learn that. And then it was kind of like certain color palette. Then I worked in Puerto Rico and it was just crazy. And then by the time I got to Montreal, Pat Merle was my company manager. There was one girl who would have like giant rainbows. Like she had like hot pinks <laughs> and blue and nobody told us no. So we would be like, tonight I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to, we found the glitter eyeshadow glitter on your lips. And I think at some point it was like, okay, no, this has gone too far. But it was like, my face is a canvas and I can do it how I want which makes a mess on stage. I think it's nice when there's a little more of a uniform look, but I do remember there's also lotion that had a little bit of glitter in it. Oh yeah. So you could just have that oh, nice, yeah. but yeah. yeah. So like if I'm in a cast of 150, I want to be the sparkliest one. Absolutely. <laughs> and a beauty oh. spot. Did you draw a beauty spot? I think Not I did it once, but individual. <laughs> I, I remember some of those because like nobody can see that from the audience, but like I know that I yeah. have a little extra beauty here. Yeah, yeah. How long did you do the Reno show? I did the Reno show for a year. Okay. And then um, I went over to Coca Rico in Paris. Oh, so you worked did with, that Co- show. did you work with Karina and Karina. Michelle Brown? Yes. Okay. There's all these overlaps are so amazing. Yeah. Because now, like, oh, you did that show. And then, like, did Miles Riley, did you work with? Was no. He, no. D- no. Doug. Yeah, I'll try no, to go Doug I worked with in uh, in the Vegas show because Doug okay. and I were like best friends. We were so young and naive at everything. His, that he had to be emancipated to work in the show at 17. That they, some of these people started so young. How yeah. long? So how was Paris after you've done like Vegas and Reno? Like between well, you know, Reno you and arrive, Paris. You arrive in Vegas, you get put up at the Stardust. You arrive in Reno, you get put up in a, either the hotel or a, a, a decent-ish motel. Um, yeah, Paris, we had um, this little hotel in Pigalle. So oh. you're at the Moulin Rouge and then you walk up the road at the side there and carry on going up towards Mont- Montmartre. That was called the Hotel des Arts. So the hotel is art sounds fantastic, but really the rest of the rooms, I think they were, you know, rent by the hour rooms. That's what I've heard. That... All the prostitutes. <laughs> as well. Oh, there's somebody who's telling me about that. Like also like the um. Oh, she they, they weren't they were called they called transvestite then, but just like they had their corners and so they yeah, would they kind did. of take they like, keep yeah. it out. So that area was. Cause I went, when I went to, to see the Lido, like that area, and then you go to the Moulin Rouge and I walked around Pigalle. I'm like, this is amazing. But at 19, I would have been like, oh my gosh, what have I entered into? <laughs> so you probably yeah. have a little life experience before they turn you loose. And yeah, yeah. yeah, it was very colorful area. <laughs> colorful. I love that. Yeah. It was great. Like it didn't feel scary. It just felt like. Oh, it's just full of life. It's fantastic. Yeah, it yeah. felt like everything goes and everything's welcome here. And just, yeah, that's right. I did no less safe than anywhere else if people are looking out for each other. Yeah, yeah. And it's a big boulevard, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, it's wide. It's not a little pokey little place. Maybe around the back streets. I felt a bit more vulnerable. Did you live there the whole time or just when you were learning the show? Did you end up staying there? Oh, no, you wouldn't want to stay there very long. Okay. (laughs) That would be a big incentive to get into the show and get paid. Um, But as I say, great neighbourhood. Yeah, no, I was all right then. I learnt the show really quickly. (laughs) I'd learnt my lesson. I'd got my notepad and my pen. Yeah. It is is amazing because I feel like every show I did, I got faster and faster at picking up. 
because your brain, you have to do that, but yeah, it's like, that's going to help you for the next one to get higher. When you're you're new to it, you're so freaked out. You're so kind of, you know, your eyes are everywhere looking at every bit of the stage and the auditorium and the lighting and who's this person and who's that. And you're meant to be learning, you know? Right. Oh my gosh. Well, there's also just some of those little movements are harder than learning like step, kick, step, kick, shene, shene, like arm goes here, little tiny movement here, this things that don't really have descriptions to it. And no, you know, fingers up, thumb down. And you know, that part I think is harder to retain than just basic like pot of ray or, or whatever. Yeah. There's things that are like nondescript that are super important that you match and trying to remember that and how not to get hit when by we a were, side. When we were in Coca Rico, we did the African number as well. Same one. Yeah. Different choreography, oh. same music, same costume. So that was confusing. Oh, I, I learned about it. that. Like, I learned the Vegas one, and now I'm learning the Paris one, which is, it, that's, I, I find that quite hard. Right. Cause your body and your brain remember yeah. when I hear this music cue. Yeah. That part, that part feels way harder than learning something new to me. If it's similar, is my body going to revert back to the way I've done it show after show after show after show? Yeah. 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 How long did, how long did you live in Paris? I was there for a year. The contract came for it to an end. And I started modeling, doing shows. There was a woman called Christine Pierce and she hired lots of dancers and she'd take us out all across Europe doing fashion shows, all pret-a-porty, you know, that was nice. Did that for a while. And while I was in Paris, I really loved that show at the Paris de la Tan. I loved Molly Malloy's choreography and the whole concept of the whole thing. Um, and that show was auditioning to go to London. So I did that audition and got that job, which was lovely. And um, that show ran for a couple of years at the Piccadilly Theatre. So oh, I wow. That. Yeah. You um, had a very uh, eclectic, wonderful career. How many years did you actually dance professional in that capacity? After I did Why, I kind of wound it down a bit after that dancing, um, I joined, I carried on, I did pantomimes and stuff for a few years. And, but I joined an agency, um, like, you know, commercial agency. So I did a few adverts and a lot of the uh, press reporter shows, I'd go out to Paris to do the ready to wear stuff. Then I just hung around in London and I did showroom work. So, you know, the designers have made up all the gear the season before. It's a boring job, but I loved it. Um, and you just are the person that wears the clothes as the buyers come in yeah. to see what they're going to order for the yeah. next season. So I did lots of showroom stuff for years, probably about 10 years of, um, you know, modeling the clothes in the showrooms. Did you feel ready to be done with the, the Bluebell Don Arden it, style shows? No, not really. I, I never felt anything else compared with that lifestyle. Yeah. But yeah, I just kind of moved away from it a bit. But it's when harder I, when you get out of the stream because once you're in it, you know, like yeah. all the show or like if Miss Bluebell will say, are you ready to work again? Was Were you getting invitations to do things yeah. or just kind of? Yeah, yeah she did ask me. Yeah. And I did an audition as well. Why had closed? And I did an audition for one of Frederick Apcar's shows that was in Reno. And um, I did get the job and they could never get the visas then because that's when America got quite tough on all the UK 
dancers coming over, you know, because I remember at the time we would get our visas to work in America on the proviso really was that Bluebell had said she had auditioned American girls and she couldn't find any uh. <laughs> as if. <laughs> and so, you know, it was great for us that she, she really was kind to the British and she did take us lots of different places. Well, I think yeah. that's part of the appeal to people in America, like that this is international or there's French girls or British girls. Yes, and yes. Rowena, who I just interviewed, she was saying that Miss Bluebell loved the um, English girls because she's, I can't remember which way she said it. One, Australian girls are all legs and short body and French are the other way around, something like that. But then the British oh, yeah. girls proportion wise, I don't know if that's a true statistic, but there is something if you're come to, to to Vegas and knowing that this is international. So I'm sure for visas, like, okay, you're putting these poor American girls out of work, but to be in the show as an American, I was like, I forgot I was in Reno because I'm hearing like Australian accents and yes. uh, South yeah. American, like international, Scottish. I had never, you know, I'd never traveled before. So I learned so much. And then just what the conversation, that's a cookie. No, that's a biscuit. And people like, like all the different, and I come back saying these words, my family thought I was pretending like I was trying to be cool. I'm like, no, I've just been surrounded. And I would say something about a lorry and they're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But it, it was, it was a great education. It made me want to travel more because then I'm like, oh, these places sound wonderful. Yeah. Look at all these. Oh, that's interesting. Cause it was like Puerto Rico that showed up. Cause somebody in the show, Michael Kemp, I don't know if you know her Kempton. Yeah. She went, told me about Puerto Rico. And so Carlin Vandegrift and I went with her. And then in that show, you find out oh, there's a show in Montreal and in Montreal, like, Oh, there's a cruise ship job. So you just, you were exposed because these people have worked all over and you know, there's opportunities that me growing up in my small town, all I knew was Vegas because of Dan Tanner, Robert Urich and that show. <laughs> <laughs> so you just need one little thing to lure you in. Yeah. I do have a, a, a question about the book because the reason I reached out is I had just reread it because I read it before and it was good. Was I'd it seen good? a couple. It's very dry. And I it's think I want I think everybody else's stories about Miss Bluebell, there's a lot more heart and a yeah. lot more character. And so it I was... didn't like the book because George Perry asked me for an interview for it. And um, he edited what I said. And I was just gutted, you know? I'd said something on the lines was that it wasn't that we were the greatest dancers. We weren't the most fantastic dancers. And I'm talking about the chorus. I'm not talking about the principals. Obviously they were stunningly beautifully, you know, everything. Um, but, but what I went on to say was, was what we were like on stage and how we wore those costumes and, you know, untouchable. But it just kind of, when it went into the book, it was like that I'd said that we weren't the greatest dancers. And I just hated the whole thing. Hated. That's so hard because you know the Bluebells are reading that. Like, and now you're like, no, I, like you would never want to put down your fellow Obviously, dancers. I, you know. Yeah. So, anyway, you know, that happens. And the only reason that he'd asked me to do it was because I was in the TV series, the Bluebell BBC TV series. And so... Tell yeah. about that because you were excited. The reason you thought you were hired was... Oh, God, I was a bit out of my depth. So I go along for the audition to be a dancer and I feel fairly confident that I'm going to get this job because I was a bluebell girl. Yeah. And, yeah, I got the job. And then she said to me, well, actually, you know, could you read for us? And I said, well, I'm not an actress. I haven't, you know, which became apparently obvious. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, I'd grown up for a, a while in the north of England, and this character that I had to play came from the north of England, which isn't really how I speak, but I know exactly how to do it. You can know, you do, can I, you do I can the do north York accent because I went to school here more, you know, and everything's a very different way of speaking. So um, maybe I got the job because I could dance and I could do a Yorkshire accent. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think I was in, I don't know, quite a few episodes. Thankfully, not too many lines. How many, um, how many episodes did they do? It's hard to find eight, that. Eight, only... eight, I think, eight. Yeah. And it's, it's a telling of her story. There's part about the war because I feel like I've seen a scene. Yeah, I think it does follow the story her story quite well but as you said about the book it's a bit dry yeah you know, it was good facts I just I mean uh, it, it helped me to have a frame BBC drama of, of the 80s yeah you know, that would that would be it and it needs to be done it needs to be done really <laughs> well now yeah, we were saying before we recorded somebody who can take this up a level and the, the integrity and not try to because like when everything gets the script writer her story is sensational. You don't have to sensationalize yes. or change anything. There's so much material, but to have a good script writer, good actors, I mean, because there's, like you were saying, there's we a Moulin Rouge movie. Cherry, like, 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 you know, Baz Luhrmann's Moulin Rouge film. Yeah, Miss Blue. I mean, Somebody please hear this and get this in the right hands because, you know, as a lot of us are getting older, we want these stories preserved, but also it's by hearing everybody's stories of what it was like to work for like I want to hear like more about Vegas with because yeah, I've heard from mafia be days because the, that style of choreography is very different isn't it from, yeah. from choreography today and it needs to be done while there's still people alive that know exactly what that walk was exactly you know where, where that hand was positioned as you bevel the yeah. foot in front you know that whole thing I'm teaching a heels workshop with two teachers at my studio. One, she was a professional ballroom or competitive ballroom dancer. Hers was very Latin and you stick your booty back. And you can't do that with a backpack and you, and you walk, they walk different. And then there's the heels now, which is kind of the LA heels is kind of um, sassy. There's a lot of floor humping. So we're yeah. teaching it together. And I said, you can't floor hump in a giant backpack. You and we're going to work on hump. the, you'd be fine. <laughs> Well, you'd yeah. never get back. You'd never get back up either. You'd be stuck on the floor. <laughs> you'd have to be dragged off by a stagehand. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there is something because I'm going to teach that in my section of it of how that walk was. Because I remember Diana Hoffroth like learning "Hello Hollywood, Hello," but having a long time on just learning the walks because we think, "Oh, I can walk," and then you do it correctly, and then they stick this, you know, ten pound thing on your head. There's a reason why we walk that way, but it's also like Don Arden preferred this and it shows the leg line it and did. you have to have time to, to be still so people can see the beauty. You're not just demure, wasn't it? Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, it was, there was never that open crutch. Oh yeah. Ooh. <laughs> no, shots for that. But to see people who do it well, teach it. Like, well, if this could come into existence of a, of a great uh, movie like Baz Luhrmann that would have Oh my gosh. Oh my God. My only frustration is that they chop up the choreography so much the way they edit it. Yeah. Like to have someone like let it be a full, like uh, let your eyes see what the audience saw instead of like edited where it was like, oh, I saw one eight count of choreography and the rest was just like. Yeah, but watching oh. those shows is a bit like that anyway, isn't it? Because you, you know, if you, especially when you're up close and you've got all those feathers and all those colors and the jewels and the waterfall and the changing scenery of mirrors at the back, you know, 
it's it's magical. So you could probably just film it like just straight on and get the magic of it. Yeah. So did, was there, I think Miss Bluebell credited you in that book too, for something, did you gather photos or to help with something or was there a different, I don't remember that. Okay. I'll have to look at that again. And then Doug Woods brought you up that you helped him with his showcase oh, yeah. and, and that yeah. was like okay this is so yeah, fun this to see bluebells isn't it his love of that floor show genre is very i just read his book i just read rowena's book and elizabeth yeah. phillips has a book out and hers is about the time in uh, touring italy in the um oh, yeah. late 60s like how different that was so everybody's story is like i was a bluebell i didn't experience I mean, it's just so fun that they're so different yeah. And I love reading everybody's stories that they just feel important. Like Elizabeth had love letters and same with Rowena. They had sent to their boyfriends at the time and they had the knowledge to save those because I'm thinking I had a boyfriend. Did I have, did, no, I'm not in Hello Hollywood. I have nobody except for my parents. I probably wrote a few letters. Like I went to Tahoe yeah. today. I probably didn't tell stories and I don't think I journaled at that time. So it'd be really great if everybody pulls out their letters, their I journals. Thought- Hang on a second. Give me two seconds, literally. Um, <laughs> There's a quiet moment for you all to ponder okay, while you right. wait. Okay. So look, this I've got this little note here from 1978, which is from Bluebell telling me I've got, yeah. Oh. So her name Bluebell is at the top. Dear Miranda, I'm sending you a contract for you to keep yourself. The spares have only just arrived, which is why I could not send yours the first time round. You will be notified as soon as the visas are through, which should not take too long, and will be expected to leave immediately. So please be poised and ready for action. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's great. Oh, and it's in her, it's her letters, because I think that's such a thing that the younger dancers, everything is email or text. But we yeah. had to wait for that letter or she would actually personally call people. Because somebody was even talking about like when you're waiting to find out, you don't have a cell phone. So if somebody's on the phone, you don't leave your house because you're waiting for that phone call and you don't want to miss it because you don't have answering machines back then. So you live by that phone. And like every time it rings, like, is this the news I'm waiting for? It's just such a different era of letter writing and phone calls and person that Miss Bluebell actually personally interacted with people because that's also for how many people she overlooked and was responsible for. I hear so many stories of her just checking in with people and, and, yeah. and making sure they're okay. Like that's just a unique, beautiful. Yeah. So all these young girls are like leaving their countries to go across the world with like, yeah. Oh, cause I remember one girl, or my, is my daughter going to be sold into slavery? You know, they put you on a plane. Some like, of the girls in Paris were, were very young. Because obviously me at 1920 was quite young to have gone to Vegas. But when I went to Paris, some of the girls, I think they were like literally just 17, yep, 16, I think- 17. They'd left school and they'd gone straight to Paris to be, you know, in the show. As I always think when I think of myself at 16 or my daughter at 16, it is so beyond comprehension that like to yeah. live, to be into this huge city and doing a show like that with these mature people, it's definitely changed but like I guess that back then like a lot of girls I don't know if you did it but like people that went to boarding school yeah were already kind of getting ready for that life away from yeah, your parents boarding school toughens you up doesn't it yeah America that- we don't know that like you stay at home and then either they kick you out or you're just like okay I, I gotta get out here eventually <laughs> yeah. 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 so I also um we're gonna wrap this up but you yeah. you've been doing Pilates for 
how long as an instructor? Oh, um, I think about 12 years. What made you decide yeah. to do that? Because a lot of dancers choose that, but it's a it's an interesting I connection. I didn't know what it was. I didn't even know how to pronounce it for years. I remember seeing classes and I'd think it was pilots. What the hell is pilots? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm not interested in doing pilots. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and then I, um, I did lots of, probably like yourself, yoga. And um, I did a Pilates DVD and I thought, oh my God, this makes sense. You know, and it was yeah. that, but it just made sense to my body from being trained as a dancer. This is, oh yeah, of course. And this is good. Yeah, this is where the movement comes from, you know, the right. whole connections through the core. So yeah, I went and did my studies and got certified in that with Stop Pilates. Um, yeah, and I'm studying at the moment, doing a postgraduate degree in Pilates for long-term medical conditions. I and think that is it's online, it's online and I can take as long as I want because, you know, I'm going to need a long time. Well, with COVID too, the, you know, it's been terrible in some ways, but like this is an opportunity that you can actually You're learn online and yeah, to do hands on. on Zoom. I haven't gone back into the classes yet. And, and it's really amazing because I didn't want to teach on, I didn't think it would be any good, but it's amazing what you can see. You know, when yeah. you've got everybody, you, you might have, you know, six or eight people. When you've got them in a room, you'll miss somebody making a mistake over there. Because you, but, on, but when everybody's on that screen in their little box, you can, I was amazed you could give corrections and, you know. That, that's, yeah. I remember when we were switched to Zoom for my studio, like, oh, this is going to be terrible. And it ended up being, it was hard when we had hybrid, like, some people I in class and some online. If you're doing it in a studio and you're doing dance, ours is, mine's very static, isn't it? Yeah. I'm not moving around the room having to, yeah. But it is nice to just see the teacher instead of if you're, you know, not an angle that you can see. There's some, there's some wonderful things. I, I do in body work, which is movement therapy and story and trauma. And oh, someone yeah. said, oh, you should do this on Zoom. I went, oh, no, that made no sense to me. Like, it's all about interaction. But when I had my first one, it was actually beautiful because people were in their own home where they feel more comfortable and they don't get that thing when you come into a dance studio, you have a certain way you face the mirror, you kind of have this right. assumed you're thing. You're conscious of who's around as well, aren't you? And the different environment. Yeah. So I, I think people concentrate very well on Zoom. Whereas when you're in the class and you've got a friend, oh, you know, you can say, well, how's your dog? You know, <laughs> you know, there's all those little conversations going on. Yeah, no, you just do it in the chat. Do. Yeah. So the, you would even say like there's a focus on osteoporosis because I just think all of us older dancers, don't we wish we had pilots back then if we could have been doing pilots <laughs> in the wings? Because a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. We need to keep strengthening, don't we? With the muscle loss as you get older. Yeah, because there's our I body remembers that. I think bone density is 10%. No, it can't be a year, can it? 10%. That's pretty rapid, though, because you can it's feel like my joints. That an age. And how many yeah. of us have had um, hip replacement? Because after I had my second hip replacement, I had a friend that was getting her Pilates certification. So she was adjusting for me. She wasn't teaching me a 20-year-old dancer Pilates. She was yeah, teaching me yeah. for my hips to get their muscles back. And I was like, oh, this feels dance-like. So 
it, you know, once a bluebell, always a bluebell. Also once a dancer, always a dancer, even though we can't do those, there's things about Pilates that makes me feel like coming. It's hard, but it's like a, my body goes, it's, Oh, it's, this it's feels hard, familiar. Even at the most basic level at, at what I'd call almost like pre Pilates, it's a workout. You get all those connections into the core, you know, hmm. the articulation of the spine. Yeah. Yeah. So you've actually inspired me. I've been doing a workout online from two people I had um, interviewed that have a, a thing called Kalon. It's an online fitness. It's beautiful. They're dancers from the current Lido show, the Mulan, the crazy oh, horse and Pilates certified yoga certified uh, bar that they, she's created, Emma's created her own. It is yeah. so well done. And it's so beautiful. And they even have like showgirl choreography. I'm oh, grinning yeah. ear to ear because I can do it in my house and not worry. Like, you know, people watching me but it feels so good. Cause I thought, Oh, I'm going to hate bar. I just knew I was going to hate bar and I'm loving bar because my glutes were not working because of my hip surgery. So muscles started to fire. And there was something of feeling beautiful while you work out, even oh. though it's hard. Like there's, I don't, I don't want to go to a gym. I don't want to do jazzercise. I don't want to get on a machine, but there's some of those things for dancers to go. This feels it's still me, even though my body might be struggling a little bit, it just feels familiar. Yeah. 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 So as we're closing, you were so delightful. I was so glad that you said yes, because um, <laughs> your name keeps showing up and I see your pictures of people that I know and that you were at both reunions because yeah. there's people like, oh, we were in the same show. And then we were at the reunion. So is there anything when you, how these memories have been coming up after going to the reunion and then seeing people's pictures, is there anything that it brings up in you that surprises you of that part of your life and your part of your, you know, that technicolor time in life? Anything that surprises me, um, probably didn't appreciate it enough. That may be, you know. I think that's almost all of us. And there's this terrible sense of loss with a lot of the photos with the amount of young boys that had died from the yeah. whole AIDS thing at yeah. that time. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I know in how long. emotional sometimes looking at photos of, and seeing how many that you know died so young. Because yeah. when I was in the show Hello Hollywood, there was no the AIDS epidemic hadn't hit at least it the hadn't. news yet. No. But probably when you got to Paris, because that's Paris, it was just starting London when I did the Molly Malloy show. It was yeah, that was bad then. Because I'm not talking to Miles, like you know, when we were a bit depressing, but it was almost like we were going to funerals every week. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Miles was saying every week, like you're, when you're in your 20s, you're not supposed to be going to funerals every week, or no. like somebody's saying, like you go to dance class and you notice this person is not there, or that teacher, or this playwright, or this choreographer. Like, how many artists there's just a hole in that yeah. creative time of where they just yeah. these people that were so brilliant. They were so brilliant. And you just think, God, where would you have gone? What you're, you'd be just starting out. Yeah. When it was all taken. Yeah. And I, th I think telling the stories like that's come up a few times because I forgot how scary and horrifying that was because and now AIDS is not the death son, My son said to me, um, you know, with the pandemic, he said, is this the worst thing that, um, you've ever been through in your life like health-wise for you know and I said yes and then like two seconds later I was like what am I talking about AIDS was terrifying 
you know the the unknowing and all of that yeah wow yeah so I think that appreciation how many did you how many uh, of your friends died and I started counting them and I'd got past two hands and I was going on to I was like oh this is just awful you know yeah I feel like there's a time to celebrate what we did. And there's also some grieving that we probably didn't do because everybody's going yeah. through it. And then like, it's not so scary. Now there's a cure, but yeah. it, we just kind of move on from things and then go, Oh, actually that was really yeah. hard and sad. And to look at those pictures. Cause I had one friend that I didn't know had died for 10 till 10 years. Cause I lost contact and then found right. out he died. And I'm like, I didn't know. And I'm grieving 10 years after the fact that I didn't, have any contact yeah. with him or know yeah. or to know he suffered and it was just I feel like the grief that we tell these stories and we all go oh we've lost some beautiful people so there's there yeah. is a time that this isn't all just happy shiny but there's some yeah. there's some sadness of that was our business that was our family those were the people that we treasured so yeah it's interesting I like that you that the ending it doesn't have to be here's our happy ending that yours actually brought a little no. bit of sobriety yeah, in, yeah. in the midst of this beautiful world there was heartbreak and there was hardship and I think that also could make people tear apart or make them come together and to go to reunion and know how many people should have been there that couldn't be there yeah yeah well maybe we end it we'll end our our, our interview with just honoring those people because I feel like oh, I wanted them. they were so beautiful so yeah. fabulous yeah. And so if they're able yeah. to listen, that they're still held up as, as a really important yeah, part of the story. They are. Oh, so thank Miranda, you. thank you for doing this. I was, yeah, was super. And I'm actually, I did my road trip to Reno, Vegas, and LA in the summer. I'm going to do another one with Athena and got to go see the costumes and see people. But I'm going to go to Paris and bring a dancer, trying to set up auditions for her, preparing her. We've got a little series on the Patreon page of her journey. We were going to go in November. On the kind of, page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've been doing like 10 minute um, interviews, like about her listening to the podcast and not even knowing that this was an option. And then we, I've set her up with a Lido dancer and then we're going to, we're just going to do her story. And then we're going to come to Paris hopefully in the spring and see if we can get her auditions and more shows, but I'm going to take a week in Paris and see all the cabarets. So if anyone wants to join me, Oh, absolutely. And then, I want to hop around England and visit all the English bluebells and um, get together. Cause I'm like, now I just want to visit everybody in there. Because we often have little mini, well, not often because we've all been locked down and. Yeah. I want to be a part of that. Cause (laughs) cause there were all these British girls. And then I know so many Aussie girls like, well, now I have to go to Australia. Cause I have to. Oh, I know the Aussie one's hard, isn't it? It's such a long way. That's a bit, yeah. but maybe, maybe when Lindsay did say she'd do another one and then we've got COVID and also she probably needs to still rest for how hard that last one, but maybe yeah, we can no, all help we, because we, we all we want, want another. another one. We want another. Yeah. <laughs> and we probably have to do a more frequent because we're getting older. So like, don't yeah. put 10 years in between because we yeah. may not make it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd love another American one if the Reno one does another one. Oh yeah. Well, that was easy for me, but yeah, for you guys to have to fly across. But for us, it was good. Had a little I road liked... trip and everything. Did you really? Yeah. Did I you took go... my kids. Yeah. Oh, did you go out to where you used to live and, and look at some of those places of places that you used to like to go? Listen, I drove with jet lag. <laughs> oh I remember being somewhere and somebody asked me directions and I just looked at them. I said, I don't even know where I am. You know, was <laughs> 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 it was disorienting being in Reno because I used to live in Lemon Valley and it looks totally different. 
So things I used to have as landmarks were gone. And so I didn't, it took me a couple of days to even figure out North and South, but you oh, have yeah. the, M- the MGM grand. Well. Now it's the grand yeah. Sierra, but it's like, wherever you are, like, okay, there's the grand Sierra, the MGM right. head there. And yeah. that's all I knew how to find, but it is interesting how much it changes. But for Paris, I mean, there's things that are probably like, they're always going to be there. Like look for the Arc, look for the Champs-Élysées, look for the yeah. Eiffel Tower. Okay. Yeah. Until we, until we meet again, um, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go do some pilots right now and get myself strong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, my darling, thank that was really lovely meeting you as well. It was lovely. Oh, okay. thank you so much. Thank you. All right, sweet.